This is the Envision Self Healing podcast number five. Hi, I'm Will Fuller. And I'm Richard Miller. And we are the co-creators of EnvisionSelfHealing.com. And we are dedicated to improving eyesight and quality of life by taking healing into your own hands. Today's podcast, we're dealing with the topic of how flexing your lens and looking at details can improve your eyesight. In the second part, we're going to be looking at this week's question, which came from our YouTube audience, which is, should you have your eyes open or closed whilst palming? So Richard, how's the world of self-healing treated you this week? Well, I finally got back to doing a lot of my presbyopia exercises again this week. And I have to admit, uh, even as someone who uh, is uh, practicing this as a way of making a living, yeah. I have a hard time fitting in my eye exercises. So it's, it's been a struggle. Uh, we've been very busy. We've been redesigning our website. We've, mm-hmm. we've got this webinar going. Lots of things are going on for us. So I find myself uh, not doing the eye exercises, just like everyone else uh, in our clients and in our listening world. So do you think it's just a matter of time? There's just not enough hours in the day? Yeah, it's a matter of fitting it in. I mean, I did... Uh, I, basically, I now I'm doing my presbyopia exercises off the refrigerator. So okay. you know me, I'm motivated to go to my refrigerator. And so. it, does, that, does that make you more hungry? His eyes are getting better, but he's clinically obese. Yeah, I'm clinically obese now. <laughs> no, actually, I'm staring at my refrigerator instead of opening it. Maybe that's actually slimming me, which I am losing a little weight. Maybe that's <laughs> yeah. it. Yeah. Uh, anyway, so I'm, I'm spending that time standing in front of my refrigerator doing the presbyopia exercise. And I'm doing the palming and sunning um, actually as a part of my meditation practice right now. That's, that's a whole different topic. Nice. Well, hopefully we can hear about that. Yeah, we will. At some point. Um, actually, I blogged about it this week, so look for that. Anyway, um, so my presbyopia exercises are going a little better, and I noticed uh, I was in a restaurant the other day, and the type was fairly small, and I was able to read the menu without wow. grabbing for my magnifier. And it's... Grabbing for my magnifier is this sort of very, uh, it's almost hypnotic. It's like I have mm-hmm. to resist and grabbing a, And thing. a safety net as well, almost. Yeah, and it's a bit of anxiety to not use it. Mm-hmm. So um, you have to sort of build up the courage to not use the magnifier or not use the reading glasses. And did you feel um, your eyes working or what, what was your experience when you realized that you could see clearer would you say it was clearer crisper blacker whiter what would you um i guess it's just the 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 reality that i could read a smaller type than i thought i could read it was almost a mental block of like i could actually read this type um it felt like a bit of an effort uh but then i could relax too and that helped as well which is ironically what we're teaching when you do the presbyopia chart is to fuse oh you're right and relax you're right that is exactly what i was doing (laughs) and then shift down in details yeah if uh, if you don't know the the presbyopia exercise that we're talking about you can uh, get it on our website at envisionselfhealing.com and if you go to the resources section you'll find some great presbyopia charts that richard uh, very kindly put together for you all Right. Um, the same ones that are on my refrigerator. <laughs> yeah, so you can uh, you can go ahead and use those. But that's great that you're uh, noticing that difference there, and uh, it's interesting that it's it might be the confidence. 
Exactly. Well, and it's not taking as much time as I thought it would. It's not it's like if, when I started this program, I thought, oh, I've got to do 45 minutes an hour a day. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's not happening. And right. my eyes are still improving from the presbyopia. So good. Yeah. The other thing I noticed this week, I went on a, a, a day long meditation workshop on Saturday and about two thirds of the way through the day, I was, it was, I think, well, it was actually a little after lunch. I was sitting out at a break. And I was there with a friend of mine, and I was starting to notice, sorry, Novi, the wrinkles <laughs> under his eyes and things like that. Yeah, we just and, won't tell him that we're wearing this. Yeah, and um, it was much clearer than I, you know, I was able to see the fine wrinkles wow. under his eyes, which I hadn't been able to see. And to me, it was the relaxation that I gained from the meditation uh-huh. and, and the... The focus that you can gain from meditation, the right. concentration, the two factors, the relaxation and the concentration. And maybe more, we were doing a kind of Tibetan yoga exercise as well, so maybe it's the blood flow too mm-hmm. from doing the yoga kinds of exercises. Excellent. We, so. do, we do find a lot of people uh, email us and let us know just that, just that stage of relaxation um, right. really is a completely undervalued one as far as vision you know realizing that your vision can get better just through that yeah relaxation and we're we're going to be looking at that in a couple of weeks time right aren't we so um how did your week go yeah very good it was uh interesting it's sort of similar to what you were talking about um the observations because when the when the vision improvement happens like you say you see you see further down on the menu mm-hmm. um or you saw the detail on your friend's face and I've started noticing um, it happens quite frequently now with me as I'm improving my periphery. And the brain is so quick to adapt. It's like, well, have I always seen that right. my whole right, life? Right, so right. am I really seeing clearer or not? Right. And uh, the reason why I say is the other day I was wearing a baseball cap because I was too lazy to do my hair and, uh, <laughs> and head out. And, and uh, very rarely do I wear them. But I was like, what is this thing on the top of my head? And I could see the top of the baseball cap. Like, I could oh, see the yeah. underneath the beak. I don't know what yeah, the, yeah. the real term is for it. Um, bill. The bill, uh, close to a beak. Yeah. And um, so, yeah, and I was like, wow, you know, I can see this. Yeah. I'm not used to seeing this, uh, right. this thing above my head. And so, of course, and then I started almost doubting myself. Maybe you you've know, always like, seen this bill yeah, and you just never noticed yeah, it. Yeah, maybe it's just like I didn't wear a hat. Yeah. So today, as I was coming over here, and it's it's a gorgeous rainy day here in San Francisco, and I had my umbrella up. Oh, yeah. And again, I was standing there, and I was looking forwards, and out the side of my uh, vision, which those of you that don't know, peripheral vision is, is what I'm trying to work with and improve, um, I could sort of see somebody standing to the side, mm-hmm. um, like a, an outside object. And then I also noticed as I was moving and I moved my umbrella I could also see the top left and top right hand corner of the umbrella as well wow. which was further out in my periphery yeah now again it was like oh well maybe you've maybe you've yeah. always seen it but the, th- the thing is and this this is the way I justify it if if I was impressed by it right there's no way I would have seen it yeah, it's exactly. not normal yeah. right yeah, because yeah. Um, even people uh, like the lady we were working with with uh, glaucoma and um, she, she got, she started losing her periphery through the glaucoma. 
And she's not used to not having those bits of the periphery. So things like crossing the road, she's used to just looking forwards and just crossing. Right. Um, and not even, you know, noticing whether there's cars. So the, the brain is trained. Um, well, the other thing we're both fighting is the concept, the sort of paradigm, that your eyes can never improve. So we've yeah. been fed this for decades before mm-hmm. we started improving our vision. Yeah. Um, so there's always that doubt in your mind that, oh, my eyes can't improve just sort of lurking back there. So it makes you yeah. doubt these kinds of things. So. But you do, those of you that are doing the eye exercise and improving your vision, it's important that you take those little moments, you know, it's to someone who can, you know, see, you know, clear peripheral vision. They're like, so what? You can see a corner of an umbrella. Like, that's right. rubbish. You can't see... Yeah, yeah. Or I can see the wrinkles in my friend's face. It's yeah. like, oh, it was a big deal. You can see the wrinkles <laughs> in his face. Well, for, to me, it's a big deal. So when you do uh, have those experiences, acknowledge them and be proud because... You know, for a lot of us, uh, like Richard said, we're told that our uh, our condition is meant to be either just continuously getting worse, like myself, or certainly not meant to be getting better. So, right. when we have these uh, achievements, it's important that you would acknowledgement uh, and appreciate it, and also know that the brain adapts uh, very quickly to this stuff. I know a friend of mine and a, and a good client is uh, someone who her father is a plastic surgeon. And when he uh, works on a client and works on their nose, so it's a cosmetic surgery and they're having their nose replaced, he has to take a picture of them before. Because after the surgery, when they show their new nose, the brain adapts so quickly Mm -hmm. that they think it's the same nose that they had before. And they think that he's just, you know, put them on anesthetic and, <laughs> yeah, you know, them tens of thousands of dollars, <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, uh, so it's important to acknowledge that the, the brain does adapt uh, quickly. And this is why we use a vision journal and encourage people to right. use vision journals so that you can track your progress um, and go along with it. So but the only other thing really I'm, I'm noticing at night time, um, a lot more uh, lighting around me. The other day I was walking back from the public transport and I could see a whole stretch of uh, lights, a whole stretch of street lights. Mm-hmm. And again, it was that observation of, I'm not used to seeing a whole street to have that right. um, that feeling of depth. I was like, wow, the street's massive. I'd never, you know, sort of experienced that that amount of depth. Right, right. Um, so, but I must say, uh, I did go to the uh, ocean, the San Francisco Ocean Film Festival this weekend. Mm. And uh, there were some fast, fantastic uh, movies there. Any of you that ever gets a chance to go along uh, or look it up, then you should do. But in there, they have uh, even poorer lighting than uh, a cinema. No, uh, no, no offense, uh, no offense, San Francisco, <laughs> Apple Bay. Um, and they also have these tiny steps uh, oh. that are sort of few and far between. There's oh. no sort of uh, no equal to it all, and oh. it's all the same carpet. So anyway, I did. Um, Although I'm seeing all those all these improvements when I was sitting there, and even though I might have needed the restroom during yeah. the movie, uh, there's no way I was getting up to fall down those stairs yeah. uh, to go to the restroom, and I did have to wait. But um, yeah, so even though even though I'm seeing these these great improvements, it's very much one step at a time. The, yeah, uh, yeah. the night blindness hasn't gone yet. Yeah, but uh, but it's still an improvement. Yeah, and uh, yeah, just got to keep working. So uh, I think it's about time for topic of the week. And 
the topic this week is how flexing your lens and looking at details can improve your eyesight. And uh, these two topics are part of a uh, webinar we're conducting right now. This is the third week of a six-week webinar we're uh, uh, broadcasting right now. And we're actually going through the anatomy of the eye from front to back uh, and talking about how different parts of the eye should be used. Um, and this is actually the basis of our ebook as well. It's called um, A Modern Day Guide for Improving Eyesight. And in that ebook, we do the same thing. We go from front to back of the eye, discussing the anatomy, how, it's, how the anatomy is, is naturally meant to be used, and how in our modern day world uh, we're sort of misusing our, uh, the parts of our eye. So in this week's, we're on the third week of that seminar, and this week we were talking about the lens and the macula. Uh, now the lens is, well, let's start from the front of the eye again. The, uh, there's the eyelid and then the uh, cornea, which is attached to the white of the eye, the whole eyeball, the outside, uh, outside surface of the eyeball. And then within the cornea, we have the pupil, and then behind that is the lens. And the lens is a structure, a cl very clear structure of proteins that are precisely aligned to, to keep the clarity, and it's flexible. And around the lens is a ring of muscles, a circle of muscles called the ciliary body, or ciliary muscles, that squeeze the lens and make it more round, make it more spherical, uh, it projects forward, uh, and that bends the light. Um, so when the, when the lens is flat and the muscles are relaxed around the lens, you're looking at something in the distance. So anytime you look out in the distance, those muscles, the ciliary muscles relax and the lens flattens out. And that's, and that's why it's actually relaxing to look into the distance. And that's why we do an exercise about looking in the distance. We want to relax the ciliary muscles around the lens and we want to flatten the lens out. The other thing um, that we, so in our natural environment, when before sort of modern day life, uh, we spend a lot of time looking in the distance and we spend a lot of time with those muscles around the lens being relaxed and the lens being flat. And then we would go and, you know, do our cooking and eating and making tools or whatever we were doing close, socializing. Are you, are you talking about Caveman Dave? We are talking about Caveman Dave, <laughs> yes. Very quickly, we're yeah. getting into Caveman Dave. <laughs> the, those of you that don't know Caveman Dave, he's, uh, he's one of the two characters in our, in our e-book, A Modern Day Guide for Improving Eyesight. And uh, we sort of use him as our, as our general tool to help talk about our uh, hunter and gatherer days. There you go. It's much easier to use Caveman Dave in this example. <laughs> so Caveman Dave would go out and look out into the plains to count zebras and, yeah. you know, get... get to sleep. I oh, know that's sheep. <laughs> <laughs> I, don't, I don't think they had sheep. And then he would come home and socialize with Caveman Will. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Have, a, have a few uh, waters in front of the That's right. box. And learn to look at his gruel and uh, <laughs> things like that up close. Yeah. And so he would be using his uh, lens out of looking, counting the zebras. It would be flat and the muscles would be relaxed. When he came home and, and socialized with Caveman Will, his lens would be contract, the muscles would contract around the lens, the lens would become rounder and he would look at close objects. And if you think about how short of a time that would have been throughout the whole day, mm -hmm. I mean, uh, I'm assuming I wasn't, you know, I've got a short memory, I can't remember what it used to be like hanging out with Cape <laughs> and Dave, but I'm assuming that they, you know, they went out at sunrise and came back at sunset, so 
you know, I would imagine there was a relatively small period of time where they sat and socialized and ate before sleeping until the next day. Right. Um, and even, you know, if they're making tools or anything, again, it's in percentage of uh, close to far, you know, I would imagine that a very small percentage of it was looking near. Right. And their environment was more stimulating and more, in some ways, more dangerous, which helped them in some ways because they had to keep looking away from what they were doing. Yeah. They weren't in a, oh, now we get the modern day Mike who, uh, his main danger is his boss or, uh, somebody, some coworker. (laughs) (laughs) This is a personal thing. (laughs) (laughs) Or some coworker, some dangerous coworker that he has to keep an eye on. But mainly he's in a cubicle or an office and he's staring at his computer and, uh, Nothing is stimulating him from the periphery. It's, all, no... it's almost a reverse role, isn't it, really? Yeah. If you think about it. Yeah. He's now spending 80% of his day looking from there. Right. And uh, has almost no opportunity to go out and look in the distance. So what's that doing to the lens? So then the ciliary muscle is contracted all day long, and the lens is rounded all day long because he's looking close all the time. And we believe that leads to diseases... Uh, like cataracts, um, certainly to uh, sort of a spasming of the ciliary body, um, another form of myopia, other conditions that that are around a, contr- a, con- a contracted ciliary body and a sort of a lens that's always rounded in one shape. So also your favorite condition? Oh, presbyopia, right. I forgot about that. Uh, <laughs> you couldn't see it. Yeah, oh, you should have seen it because you were far sighted. Yeah, I know. It was too close to me. I couldn't see it. Uh, it no. Was, <laughs> the answer was right in front of your face. Yeah, I just couldn't see it. <laughs> presbyopia. Yes, presbyopia is a stiffening of the lens and a weakening of the ciliary muscles. So um, to deal with uh, both of those cataracts and presbyopia were... We're trying to make the lens more flexible and strengthen the muscles, uh, ciliary muscles, uh, so we're, and relax them too. So part of the exercise program for both of those is looking in the distance uh, to relax the muscles and then using the muscles to flex the lens. So that's, what we, that's how we would deal with lens conditions, basically. And the second topic uh, that we went through in our lecture, and you can also find... Um, a little bit of information on this in the ebook uh, that you can get on our website. And the second topic is the macula. Now, the macula only makes up around 3% of your whole visual field, which, uh, which is tiny, really, when you think about it. And the macula is made up of around 6 million cones, and the cone cells are responsible for seeing color and detail. And around the macula, you have 120 million rods. So you can see the big difference there in between uh, the different cells that you have, cones versus rods, which is central vision versus peripheral vision. Now, the macula, like I said before, picks up on fine detail. And if you think about Caveman Dave, and when he was out in the wild, he very much had to rely on using his macula uh, as much as possible to gauge things like uh, danger or even to find out whether his food is ripe or you know if if there's anything he needs to know about the food is it Richard I'm right in thinking that the red cone is what developed uh, Uh, later on exactly it was the last it was the highest uh, evolutionary step in vision was the red cone yeah 
So you can see how the, the combination of all three is what really gives us our HD vision. I love using that example, HD, because yeah. it, it's something that uh, we hear so much about. Even, uh, even Apple now uses a retina display. Oh, yeah, so I that, thought about that. So that gives you a good understanding there. You know, if, if Apple was making, uh, what was their last, like 500 and six billion was their latest uh, quote or something that they're, uh, if they'll earn this much money and they're trying to push their product, which it has a retina display. But they really should call it the macula display. Really. <laughs> yeah, they should, yeah. yeah. I mean, we should write to Apple. Yeah, well, they're, they're not geeky enough about their eyes. <laughs> they're not, no. But it goes to show uh, how important it is and that the, the retinal display, we, should, we could call it, is giving you those, those fine pixels, that fine detail for you to be able to see. Now what's happening is those cones cells are very finely packed within the macula. You're being a little geeky now. You haven't explained cones versus rods, so I did. Oh, you I, did? I, well, I explained uh, what cones. I said rods and cones. All right, Six well, million in the hundred twenty. But I didn't say that the peripheral, the cone, the rod cells is movement and there you go. light, and uh, and the and dim light. Sorry, and the cone cells is what's responsible for the color. And they function in bright light. There you go. That's that's clear. Very so, clear. Good. <laughs> you're using your macula. So if you're understanding that the uh, the anatomy then of the eye and that it functions on seeing fine detail. So caveman Dave, uh, maybe he saw an insect and he needed to know whether it was poisonous or not. And to know whether, say, a bug is poisonous is to see whether it's got red, small red dots on its back in comparison to maybe uh, small green dots on their back. So we were used to looking at this fine detail all the time. Now, very rarely do we need to use that fine detail in our modern day life. So if you think about, say, maybe the average office worker, he goes, uh, he goes into work and looks at his computer screen. Well, if you're using, I don't know, Microsoft Word um, or you know any text document, it's just black ink on a white page. There's no real uh, excitement going on there. And even if there were lots of colors and um, you know more there to engage you, you're looking at the bigger picture. You're not looking in the small, small detail. Right. And I think we, we talked about last week um, about how reading a book, how really you want to be looking at each letter and the details right. of the letter and how the macula is only the word the in a whole sentence. Right. Um, but that obviously it would take you forever to read a, any kind of book, um, right. even a pamphlet, if you were to look at those small letters all the time. So um, it's important uh, that you try and use your macula more and more. And you can do this by things like shifting, where you would look around the room and try and look from smaller and smaller detail. Maybe pick, uh, just like Richard noticed, the, uh, the creases on his friend's uh, cheek there underneath his eyes. Maybe you could pick someone on public transport or somebody in your office. Not somebody dangerous looking. Not somebody dangerous, yeah. <laughs> yeah. You could, well, you could be looking to see if they're going to reach for a knife or a gun. Yeah, yeah. Um, but certainly I noticed um, when I used to do um, meetings, is a great time to shift from detail to detail on whoever's giving the meeting. Um, just don't tell them because they might find it a bit strange. But um, at least it looks like you're paying attention. That's well. true, that's in true. In fact, you're doing eye exercises. So looking from smaller and smaller detail helps keep the macula activated and does the job uh, that it was designed to do. Now, the second part that I talked about 
was that the cone cells respond to bright light. And it's natural bright sunlight that our macular cells are designed to be used for, and that's when they function best. So if you tried reading a page of a book inside, and then you went outside, you'll notice that it's clearer to read outside, and that's because partly that the macula is becoming a lot more active and is easier to see those finer details. You'll also notice that colors are brighter as well when you're outside, and it's the same thing. So again, a lot of us spend a large majority of time, again, maybe around 80% indoors, um, in poor lighting, and we never get that natural sunlight. And even when we do leave to go, the only time we get sun, leaving the office to go to the car, um, we put sunglasses on. Right, yeah. So again, we're not getting that sunlight. So, and we will say that if you do want to wear sunglasses, um, we suggest you do if it's a safety uh, issue, say like driving or you're, uh, maybe you're out skiing or sailing or something, it's a very bright light, uh, then sure, but in general you want to try and avoid uh, sunglasses and use the eye naturally. Right, because then you're getting the, the bright natural sunlight to your macula, which is very important. And one thing you can do is the eye exercise sunning, uh, which you can find more about in the exercises tab on our website, and that's just where you have the eye closed and you move your head from side to side. And that's getting that, that great natural sunlight to the retina and to the macula, helping to wake it up. Um, and this, the combination of those is certainly something that we find is very important with things like uh, macular degeneration, right. more the dry kind, um, to really help wake those macular cells up and get that fine detail going. Right, that's exactly right. Okay, so I think that's about a good time to head over to question of the week. So this week's question of the week comes from a YouTube uh, viewer who asks, uh, when I'm doing palming, uh, is it okay to have my eyes open or should they be closed? Depends if you're walking or not. (laughs) (laughs) Well, yeah. So in my experience, I generally keep my eyes closed because I want the most dark as possible. But I know you do... Um, some special things with your eyes open? Sometimes I count sheep. No. Sometimes the zebra. It's the zebras again. <laughs> um, sometimes I do eye rotations. Yeah. When I'm palming, mainly because I'm trying to fit in all these uh, exercises yeah. that we're talking about. Right. Um, and just to do 10 in one direction and 10 in the other direction, um, you know, in between palming is it sort of remind because palming is so important and I know I need to do it daily. Um, then if I can try and work those things in, right. um, then it helps. But I do notice when I do that, say if I'm rotating the eye around, I will get put off by seeing light through uh, the cracks in my hands or right. I will see see the light. Right. I see the light. So that's why, again, it's important to have your eyes closed. Yeah. I think in so, general we would say keep your eyes closed and then you want to have as dark a room as possible. Um, the room we're sitting in right now actually has light-proof blinds and then light-proof, uh, sh- uh, what are those things called, curtains on top of them. And you can pick them up pretty uh, cheap from you know any sort of uh, Walmart or yeah. Tesco's. We're going to have to go through all the international supermarkets. <laughs> but you, should, you know, um, Amazon is a yeah, great Amazon place them, yeah. to find them. That's where I got mine. Yeah, I think I got mine there as well. So... Um, 
you know, by having really you just want as dark as possible. Right. And even like taking a towel and putting it under the door so that you can eliminate that piece of light. Yeah. Um, yeah. People talk about, so they, they do talk about sometimes using those um, uh, eye shades. What are those things called? Yeah, a lot of people ask why, and uh, maybe, maybe this should be Quest of the Week next week. <laughs> this week's question is from Will. Um, a lot of people ask, why can't you just wear the um, sleep, yeah, sleep, sleep mask? Sleep mask. That's where it is, yeah. The darkening sleep It's been sleep a long mask. day. Yeah, you know, we don't ever <laughs> wear them either, so... Yeah. Um, and our experience is the hand, the energy from the hands is important as well. So putting your hands over your eyes yeah. is an important aspect of and calming. It's, it's meant to be a real gentle uh, touch. It's almost, you know, sometimes I try to visualize as if air is just barely passing between the palm of my hands okay. and the cheeks around, um, and my, you know, good. my cheeks and my forehead. Because it really needs to be that soft amount of pressure and I kind of feel whenever I've worn those uh, sleep masks when I've been on planes or whatever, yeah. it just feels like this tight you know, band pulling up against. But certainly any of you that have done any sort of uh, Reiki work like myself or any sort of energy work, as I'm sure you've done, Richard, mm-hmm. um, you can feel uh, the energy and the heat coming from the hands, which is another part of the palming that we feel really right. help, uh, gives it that, that extra kick, so to speak. Yeah. So, um, but certainly having as little light as possible, even some people without realizing they might have those uh, night lights and they plug into the side of the wall. Right. Or I know a lot of people, they're alarm clocks. Right. Uh, and we have so many things in the room, people that have TVs in their room, yeah. you know, you have all these LED, the, although yeah. they're tiny, you know, it's still all this extra light that you don't pay attention to. But I guaranteed if you palmed for 10 minutes, and then took a, a look around your room as you're in the dark, you'll notice how light these certain things... Right. And they're irritating at that point. Yeah. ...that become. Yeah. So we certainly recommend then uh, that your eyes are closed when you're palming. Um, some people might find it difficult because they might be, uh, not restless, but we're used to being active. Yeah. So just to, just to sit there and palm, um, you know, people wanted to try and do something... Which, if that is you, is, is certainly a good reason in itself to do palming. Yeah. Because um, it's just 10 minutes in your day just to relax, take a time out, um, and do some palming. But if you still want to be active, there's nothing stopping you from, say, listening to this podcast. Right. Or you could... Or something you know, way more interesting. <laughs> <laughs> which is nothing. I'm definitely sure nothing oh, yeah, is more true, interesting. Yeah. Um, you know, you can have a look on uh, iTunes or uh, iTunes U, is it, University? No, oh, yeah, yeah, exactly. And yeah. Um, you can get a whole course there online and learn about anything, you know, anatomy, physiology, as we do. But again, that might be a little bit boring. Well, and the other advantage is you're doing the, some of your reading. You can do books on audio, audio yeah. books as well. And so it's you're doing the reading that you might do otherwise and straining your eyes doing the reading. Now you're doing it while you're palming. So you're getting sort of double, double benefit there. And even uh, you had that program, didn't you, Richard? And now we both use it uh, that they can find on our resources, which is iAudioize. iAudioize, it's a funny word, yeah. So basically what that does is it turns a worded PDF or any worded document into audio. Yeah, a computer voice audio, but uh, you can get used to the computer voice, actually. So it means, you know, a lot of people don't want to sacrifice their reading and they don't want to sacrifice their leisure time. 
So what we're saying is it might be a different behaviour pattern, but you're still able to get the entertainment mm -hmm. um, from the reading, and you're also resting your eyes at the same time. So great question there from our YouTube uh, followers. Keep the questions coming in. We love hearing from you guys. It also shows that everyone's working hard on their eye exercises. You can contact us through our email address if you go to the contact us section on our page or if you've got a bed and paper handy, uh, it's envisionselfhealing at gmail.com. You can also post a comment um, underneath this, whether it's on our blog or on YouTube or anywhere that you might be uh, viewing this and we monitor all our comments. Um, we should uh, get back to you either by email or hopefully you'll make question of the week and we might be able to answer it in a little bit more depth. It is a lot nicer answering these questions it is. Uh, in person and in uh, audio form than, uh, than writing by email because it's just so difficult to explain a lot of this stuff right, right. through text. But there's also an FAQ section on our website um, where there are a lot of general questions right. there right. that you can also go over and see. Don't forget that you can head over to our website at envisionselfhealing.com and download your free ebook, A Modern Day Guide for Improving Eyesight. And a lot of that is what we're going through over these next few weeks, which is, as Richard said, we've based our uh, six-week lectures on. So you can always download that and be a step ahead of the game for next week's session. Next week, we're going to be talking about blood flow and peripheral vision. Right. So I hope you enjoyed this week's podcast and happy healing. And have a good week.